Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation podcast series. We're coming to you today thanks to the generous support from individuals, donors, and our corporate partners, including Celgene. My name is Tricia, and I'd like to introduce Robert Burleson, our communications manager. Hello, everyone, and I'd like to introduce Shirley O'Brien, a patient who has quite a story to tell about her MDS diagnosis and treatment that had a remarkable outcome through a clinical trial. Shirley is a survivor of MDS, myelodysplastic syndromes, as it's known. So, Shirley, first to start, we'd like to know a little bit just about you, what your life was like before you received your diagnosis. So, what your life was like beforehand and the diagnosis and what happened and how you felt at that immediate time. Well, uh Life was good, <laughs> and it is again, but um, I was a professor at the University of Arizona in Tucson for 28 years, and uh, we had just retired and started up working on our private music. We'd always been church musicians, and, and I was in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and Jim was in the School of Music. But once we retired, we began playing our accordions and going to festivals, so we did a lot of rehearsing. So uh, I got a shock when I was diagnosed with MDS, and that kind of changed everything. Can you tell us a little about what led up to the diagnosis? You didn't feel right, and you may have gone to your regular doctor, and just what the sequence of uh, doctor visits and tests were? To arrive at actually, this diagnosis? Yeah, but actually, I did feel right. That was what was confusing. Um, the only thing I noticed was uh, a lot of bruising, and uh, I was just having a regular annual checkup and always with a blood lab workup. And uh, they said, you better have blood labs a little more often than just once a year. And that escalated and finally resulted in a bone marrow biopsy and the diagnosis. Okay, so you did not feel particularly fatigued or anything else? Not at all. Okay, a set of routine tests led to the diagnosis. That is correct. Okay, and then did you, immediately after the diagnosis happened, um, where did you go or what kind of treatment did you receive? Well, we have a really good uh, cancer center, University of Arizona. Now it's called Banner, uh, University of Arizona Cancer Center. And so uh, I started with some treatments there. I went almost immediately on to uh, chemo uh, seven days a week, every 28 days. And uh, it was quite a regimen and quite a shock because of being sort of uh, locked into a schedule that we were with retirement, very used to being free and kind of dictating where we wanted to go and travel and how we wanted to do it, and suddenly that all stopped. Didn't you have a trip planned at that time when this happened? Oh, yes. We had a cruise within three weeks of diagnosis. And <laughs> as you recounted, you canceled the plans and got right into treatment. Well, actually, uh, the doctor, the oncologist, said uh, not too subtly, uh, you better go ahead and go on that cruise because your life as you know it now is going to change drastically. 
And uh, when that sunk in, we canceled the cruise. I, I understand. Um, as all this was progressing, at what point did you find us, a Plastic Anemia and MDS uh, International Foundation? How, how did, when did that come about? Well, uh, almost immediately. Uh, as a professor, you do a lot of research, and so that first night after diagnosis, uh, I went online and started searching for what in the world this, this MDS stood for. I couldn't pronounce it. I couldn't spell it. Uh, I couldn't believe it once uh, I found out what it really was. And I stayed up all night that first night researching. And from my research, it led me to AAMDS and, and some of the resources. And so that's kind of how I found what I needed for materials. I immediately had them send me brochures and pamphlets yes. and resources. And you must have at some point uh, come into contact with our patient educator, Lee, Lee Clark. Oh, my. Lee was pivotal. Pivotal, sure she was. Uh, that was uh, about three and a half years later because right from the outset I knew and was told that this chemotherapy regimen uh, eventually is going to fail. What it does, it is uh, supposedly maintains your level of lab work, your whites, your reds, and platelets, but in between those three weeks that you're not on chemo, it's supposed to bring everything back up to normal, or at least up. Usually it's never normal. And uh, it was not doing that, and so it failed. And I was desperate. Uh, oncologist, where I was getting treatment when we were traveling, said, you have four to six months to live. And then when I got back to Tucson, they confirmed that. So it worked for and a while, I, but then re, you relapsed. Oh, it did. It did. Mm -hmm. uh, but immediately I, I, I went to AAMDS and, and I, I said, I'm desperate. Uh, I'm not sure if I said to Lee, I'm dying. Mm -hmm. But to be absolutely frank. You were very clear about your situation. I was very clear. Just shifting over. And bless her heart. She said, give me 24 hours. And I will help you. And she did. It was less than 24 hours. She gave me five links. And that's how I found the clinical trial. Well, wow. I know you first, I think before, correct me if I'm wrong, but before finding this, the particular trial, you consulted and visited other treatment centers. Yes. Yes, we did. Uh, we had the resources and the time. And we went cross-country to Florida and... And then we went up uh, to the northeast, and then we went to the northwest, and we, uh, you really we got, got a lot. All four corners. <laughs> yeah. We did. Mm -hmm. We did, because, of course, living in the southwest, we went all the way through. Mm -hmm. But none of those first-class, top-rated cancer centers could give us much more information than you need to have a bone marrow transplant. And that was so scary. And so, you know, we just kept saying, wait a minute. So and that's what the whole point was, to wait. The, sub the subject of a bone marrow transplant was brought up, and you were hoping to avoid that. 
Oh, my, yes. Yeah. Uh, I had read so many of the stories from both patients and many of their caregivers on what is involved. And at but that time, I was like 78 years old, and there were several of the centers I just mentioned that said, well, you know, we don't really transplant after age 75 and, you know, they didn't say, you're too old, Shirley, (laughs) (laughs) but that was obvious. (laughs) The age is going up all the time, but still you were presented with uh, the situation and made a decision. So just to follow on, you consulted at several uh, well-known treatment centers, and then about that time is when our patient educator told you about uh, the clinical trial in Houston. Yes, at MD Anderson, yes. Just to back, go off that for a moment, can you just tell us a little bit over to the more the emotional side of things, how you felt along the way? Were you ever frightened or, and who was there to help you through all of this? Well, obviously when you're told that uh, you don't have too long to live unless, there was always this, unless you find a clinical trial. And, um, you know, that's, that's daunting. How do I go about that? I'd ask a couple of oncologists, uh, can you find a trial for me? And I realized, look, I'm on my own on this. I have to be my own advocate. Nobody else is going to do it for me. And so that's when I reached out to AAMDS. But you wake up scared every morning. I mean, there's this huge, dark cloud that's hanging over you all the time. Yeah. Uh, But I I have to tell you, our music, uh, our our accordion duets, you know, accordions are very lively, upbeat, wonderful instruments. It's happy music, when as you per- yourself once said. <laughs> it really is. Right. And, and when you look at somebody and you're playing like an audience, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just you get the feedback from their eyes, and, and it really was my happy place. That's where I would go when we would rehearse and when we'd perform. And we kept our performance going, even when I was given a few months to live. We were still performing. You kept at it, with the, and you had the support of your husband and uh, the mu- musical contributions. Um, well, that's inspiring to pass along. Um, can you tell us now a little bit, you've come to uh, MD Anderson, and you're in this clinical trial, just the, the progression of events and how things happened in this trial. Well, uh, Dr. Courtney DiNardo, uh, had called me in Tucson uh, after I'd submitted to become a new patient. Mm-hmm. And one night she called me about 7.30 my time, which would have been 9.30 her time, and said, Shirley, I think you need to come and be evaluated. I think I have something for you. And sort of the rest is history. We flew in immediately, and uh, I, was, uh, I was given a lot of a huge bank of tests. And, yes, I would be... Uh, I would be uh, available. I would be uh, being able to uh, join the trial. That was that was really important to be able to join the trial. And just to be clear, right here, it, you had really um, uh, there had been a, a recurrence, and you were really in. Uh, you said thirty percent blast, and really with AML. Yes. Yeah. That was one of the shocks when Doctor DiNardo said, uh, "You've trans." formed uh, to AML, mm-hmm. and uh, to be told you have leukemia when you're thinking you're having something like MDS that 
may not have a cure, but then leukemia is that huge word that just is so scary. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, the, I just wanted to say for the audience that AML is acute myeloid leukemia. And um, there are different versions of leukemia, which you know now, which I know now after working here for a while. But that big, that big word is very frightening. I'm sure it was for you. And can, can you just tell us a little bit about when you went there, you would be treated and then you would go home for a while and return and just we're trying to get an idea of how long a period of this uh, recurring trips back to uh, the treatment center was. Well, uh, we had a nice big 40-foot motorhome that we towed a car behind. And so when we first went to Houston to be there for two or three months to join the trial and so that they can really watch, we went in our motorhome. And uh, so we were there uh, in five minutes away from uh, MD Anderson in our motorhome with my spouse and my wonderful little puppy dog and all the support I needed just to go back and forth and get through all of the early stages so that it would work well. And then after three months, um, then we drove back to Tucson, and I flew in for the next two and a half years every 28 days. Okay, so it was frequent return, monthly return, really, for evaluation and treatment. Yes. Well, Uh bringing it up to the present, is this still the situation now? You're returning there how often? No, I am now off the clinical trial as of a month ago. Oh, well, that's very Congratulations. recent. Congratulations. That's very recent yes. news. That is recent news. And uh, basically, I've been in remission now for about three years, maybe a little less. And uh, now specialty pharmacy calls me a week before I need my next round of pills, my next cycle, and say, where would you like us to send it? So no matter where I am, that next week, I can get my pills. That's wonderful. They come to you wherever you are. That's right. And it's such That's a, a such a wonderful uh, conclusion of a story that we haven't, I've done a lot of stories here and talked to plenty of patients, but we've never quite had one like this. And we've heard a whole lot about your story. I'd like to ask a question, Shirley. Um, How did your husband do with the news? And then I know he's been very supportive of you, but how did he do during the worst of the worst part of this? And how's he doing now? Well, well, interesting that you would ask that. He just walked in. He's been walking the dog and he just walked in so he can hear what I'm going to have to say about him. Um, Basically, he was my rock, my support. Uh, He was the one that heard the oncologist at uh, the very first diagnosis say, uh, this is something that you're going to have to live with. I heard the oncologist say, you're going to have a little chemo, and then you're going to be well, and you're going to be fine, and your life is going to go on. But uh, he heard it correctly, and I heard what I actually wanted to hear. And that was not uh, correct. So basically, he was the one that kept us going. He says, we're going to keep our life going. We're not going to let this come over us, overwhelm us. We're going to make this work. And he's the one that drove the motor home. And he's the one that aligned our budget. So I'd always have plenty of money to fly wherever I needed to do to get treatment and to keep going. 
And uh, he was just the person that made it work. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. I know that caregivers have such a huge role to play in anyone's recovery who has marrow failure disease. But it looks like he knew you well and knew what you needed particularly well and was able to step into that need and just um, do what needed to be done for you. That's just wonderful. And now your life is pretty much back, in many respects, back to the way it was before this happened. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm a lot older. (laughs) Could be. Congratulations. You know, and, and you can't say that, you know, it's totally back because that kind of six years of intense thinking about your health and the up and down as wonderful as it is, it, it takes something out of you. Oh, clearly there's a lot of energy and work involved in what you've been through. Um, and so now you are back, still playing the accordion, still uh, oh, yeah. in Arizona, and still doing yes. some traveling. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, we have uh, uh, a New Orleans tomorrow gig, and we've got a St. Patrick's gig, and, you know, we're still doing what we love to do. You pack the motor home and head off to play accordions. Happy music. And that, that's, you called it happy music, and I fully agreed. Yes, it is. Well, we've heard a lot about your story today. I wanted to conclude by asking you, Shirley, if you just had one thought, the most important or uh, significant thought that you would like to share with other MDS, bone marrow failure disease patients who are at the stage you were six years ago, what what would you tell them? Well, I would say... repeat kind of what I said a little earlier about uh, you've got to be your own advocate. You've got to reach out to find people that will push you and support you and make you take risks sometimes that you have to take risks on. And just, you've just got to keep your life going. You just cannot let leukemia or MDS overwhelm you. Well, thank you so much, Shirley, for sharing this uh, journey, an interesting sequence of uh, circumstances and events, and, of course, your insight, such as you just described to us. And, of course, we're very pleased that you're picking up and still traveling and still playing the accordion and uh, still in, uh, enjoying life. And over to you now, Tricia. Thank you so much, Bob, and thank you so very much, Shirley, for how you are making an impact on the lives of all the listeners today. And thank you, listeners, for being here. As a reminder, the AAMDSIF helpline is here for you at 800-747-2820, option 2, or you can email help at aamds.org, where you can be connected to Peer Support Network and other support groups. To connect with your peers online, you can also join the confidential chat at MaraForums.org. And you can find more information at our website, which is AAMDS.org. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next time. So long.